Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you are joining me today for another great interview to inspire ideas and motivation and action and change in you as we are all on this journey to develop talent and change the working world. Today, my interview is with Barbie Winterbottom, who is the Chief People Officer of Bit Graphic, a strategic and an insightful leader known for growing strong talent and fostering people-first cultures. Barbie thinks big and delivers powerful solutions to complex and often difficult business, people, and culture challenges. With deep roots in talent acquisition, recruitment, marketing, and its ties to culture, Barbie understands and drives the needed awareness and alignment between what she believes is the trifecta of employee happiness and belonging, brand, culture, and purpose. We talk a lot about those things in this interview today. We talk a lot about culture and employee experience, two things that I'm passionate about that I think are so important and don't get talked about enough, especially how to create those great things, those culture the culture and employee experience in your organizations. We also talk about how Barbie and her team have handled things under the COVID-19 pandemic with working remote. They've had to do a series of layoffs right before we conducted this interview. And so I thought it'd be interesting to get into that as well, how they've handled that and made the best of things and create a great employee experience for those that are staying. We talk about the importance of transparency and empathy, all of those things. So if you listen to this, I hope you will get some ideas Get out a pencil and paper, get ready. Here is my interview with Barbie Winterbottom, Chief People Officer of BitGraphic. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world, and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. 
Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited to be joined today by Barbie Winterbottom, who is the Chief People Officer of BIC Graphic, as well as a keynote speaker and culture whisperer. Barbie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, really great to have you on, and I hope we're able to pull this interview off. We were just chatting about how we're both dealing with challenging issues with our children pets, various things disrupting our work days. And I'm sure many of our listeners can relate to that. If you have children, spouses, pets at home that you're not used to working with, disrupting your day, we're dealing with that stuff too, but we're getting through it. And I think having that experience, I assume, also provides you with a lot more empathy for what all of your people are going through, right, Barbie? It's very true. If we were to rewind two months ago during a conference call, if a dog started barking or a cat parades across the screen or a kid walks in, someone might be mortified. And today it's just a normal course of business, right? I think it's certainly humanized this video experience a bit more because we have no choice. So did you see the Facebook video this morning? I think she just posted it. This woman, I can't think of her name, but she got out of the shower, walked to get her clothes, didn't know her kid was sitting on her bed in a Zoom meeting with all of her friends. As she, it's hilarious. And I, my heart just went out to her. It's entertaining. But you know, it could happen to any of us at any time these days. So yeah. Oh, totally. Exactly. The setup, my kids are barging in my office all the time. I've got the printer in here and my wife or kids will print something and just come in while I'm in the middle of an interview. And don't even think about the fact that I might be on video. So we're all dealing with it. We're all getting through it. And I agree with you. It has completely changed the world of work. I think it's made it more acceptable, more personal. I think we're connecting on a more of a personal level, getting to know our friends and our colleagues better and seeing their workplaces and their kids and their dogs and cats and all, all that sort of stuff. So I think it's a really cool side effect or silver lining of all of this under COVID-19. But let's take a step back and I want to introduce you, Barbie, and, and talk about some of the work that you're doing. So maybe tell us a little bit about you and how you got to where you are today. Wow. Okay. Well, as the chief people officer at BitGraphic, I joined the organization about two and a half years ago, and they had just come out of being uh, purchased by a PE firm. And the organization was previously owned by the Bic Corporation. So folks know them, Bic Pens, Lighters, Razors, large global organization. And our division is the promotional product side. So I came into an organization that had just been through some pretty significant disruption and kind of trying to figure out who they were. So it's been a great two and a half years really kind of helping craft the new culture of this organization. Prior to that, my experiences include working in some of the world's largest organizations. I have some really deep experience in the talent acquisition space, started my career in TA and then kind of expanded into the overall space of HR. But there's always been a passion for me to connect the dots between the marketing side of TA, which is really now, we don't, we don't call it that much anymore. It's now it's your brand, but the employer brand, employee purpose, right? And product. And those things have to align. And so it's been exciting for me to see how the, the world, I think, is now starting to make those connections and connect the dots. And so I've spent many of my years kind of 
building that life cycle of from attraction to onboarding to performance to culture and, and even exiting folks, right? Exiting folks is just as important to do with dignity and respect and make sure that the values you profess are the lifeline that strings all of that together. And so that's, that's where my passion lies is, is making sure that we are authentically who we say we are and that those themes live throughout an employee's experience. Yeah, I like that. And I wanted to talk today about trust and culture. And maybe we can start with that idea of employee experience. It's one of my favorite topics. I love when I hear organizations that are creating that entire experience, really thinking about what the entire experience looks like from beginning to end. So can you talk a little bit more about how do you make sure that the talent acquisition process is aligned with the onboarding and then the development process and then creates a a great experience all the way through them potentially leaving the company as well? For me and for my teams, we spend a lot of time thoughtfully looking at all of those components. And I think what bubbles up to the top each and every time is the humanized experience. And I have a lot of friends who represent phenomenal HR tech companies. So my disclaimer is I am in no way bashing HR tech. We all need it. We use it. It helps provide amazing data. It eases processes and all of the wonderful things we know it does. But what it doesn't do is replace human connection. And I have spent quite a bit of time making sure that the messages and the experiences never lose that human touch. And I think where some organizations tend to go a little off the path is they get so married to the technology or to the ease of automation and we can do it better and faster. And maybe that's true. You can certainly do it faster, but I'm not sure better when you look at the entire experience. So ensuring that those human touches are still happening throughout that entire process is important. And for me, and I believe for most folks, culture isn't a thing that you get to. It's not, oh, when we do this and we do this and we do this, we're going to have a culture. Whether you want to accept it or not, you have a culture. (laughs) It may not be the one you want, but you have a culture. So how do you reflect that culture? And I believe it's in every conversation, every touch point, every email, every interaction is a reflection of your organization's culture. At least it is through the lens of the people having that interaction. And so that's where it lives when you think about talent acquisition and attraction. So those beautiful billboards, those slick ads you might see on social media or on the job boards or wherever you might see them, that's just the first glimpse. But what's behind that? And does it really align with what's happening behind those doors or once you walk through those doors. And we spend a lot of time making sure that those pieces are well connected. Yeah. I mean, it's just like a customer experience, right? You see those companies that invest so much money in marketing, cable and phone companies come to mind, right? There's all this money about how great it is and airlines or whatever. It looks so great. And then you go through the actual experience. You're like, this is not what I saw on the billboard. Why am I on hold for an hour or getting kicked off of this plane or whatever? This is not what I see in the commercials. Yeah. I have this conversation with most of the folks who are new to my team. And now after COVID, and I know a lot of our retail brands are are really struggling. So this is not a slam towards any of them. But I would say, you know, there's a place in the world and in the marketplace for Walmart 
And there's a place in the marketplace for Neiman Marcus, right? Or Barney's or Harrods or whomever you choose. And if you're going to be Walmart, be Walmart. You're the low price leader. You have bulk items and you don't have a lot of expectations about service and handholding and that type of thing. Great. There's a place for that. If you're going to be Neiman Marcus, you better have the experience that supports that. Don't say you're Neiman's and sell Walmart product and Walmart experience and vice versa. Don't expect someone to walk into Walmart and have a price point that is absolutely unattainable for that person. So neither one is better than the other. Just live it, be it so people know what to expect. And it's no different when you think about the employer space. And um, it's interesting, I've been writing and publishing a bit on LinkedIn and some other channels, and I have yet to publish this particular piece, but in it, I'm talking about how employees, as employers, we tend to see our employees in, in one dimension. We see them as an employee or as a resource to production, a resource to an end. And the reality is we are whole people We live whole lives outside of our jobs, and we are also consumers, and we are out there doing all the things consumers do, and yet when we come into work, we often treat them in a completely different way. We don't see them as consumers, but they really, we are, and we're customers. We are internal customers. So I really stress to my teams and to my peers and colleagues, we have to start looking at our employees as internal customers and treat them the same way we would treat them if we were a retail brand and they were walking into our store or buying from us online. The experience is very similar. And if we don't get there, we're going to lose them. And I think more and more organizations are starting to recognize that. Yeah. And it's easier than ever. Well, maybe not right now as we record this in the middle of this pandemic, but it's easier than ever for employees to leave if they get frustrated. They don't like the experience, right? Just go on LinkedIn or Twitter or anywhere and see what your friends are doing and then go apply for a job there. And as of three months ago, the unemployment rate was an all-time low. You could always go get a job somewhere else. Obviously, it's a little more challenging now. And speaking of that, we're talking about the whole life cycle and the challenging times we're in. You mentioned from hiring all the way through employees exiting the business. And I know you as a chief people's officer has gotten through a, a challenging time recently in letting people go from your organization as many people have. I've spoken with several heads of HR and different executives who have dealt with this recently. And I know you probably can't share everything, but I'm wondering, how did you approach that to make sure that was done well and people still had a great experience as they were walking out the door? Well, I would say great experience in that case is definitely relative and respected to the person. Yeah, maybe that was maybe the wrong words, but you know, it wasn't a, as a traumatic experience or at least as good as it could be. We're doing our best to give people the dignity and respect they deserve and we, we have definitely gone through um, a series of layoffs and furloughs. And we have several different types of actions that we've taken. So as I mentioned, we've, we've done layoffs, furloughs. We've had some salary reductions. We've had some reduced hours. So we really tried to adapt based on the business need and that particular function's need to continue whatever it is that they need to continue. And we have opened up communication channels in ways that we never had before. We very quickly stood up a COVID-19 hub where we 
placed information minute by minute as it was coming out, connecting people to the CDC website, the World Health Organization website, and then really kind of told the story of how it applies to them as an employee and what does that mean for them as an employee of our organization and what are we going to do to support them. And as we went through the layoffs or the decision that we were going to have to start doing layoffs, we built and published a layoff hub. So here's all the information you may need to access unemployment benefits. Here's what it means to be laid off or to be furloughed. And here's documents you may be asked to produce, information. We also put up a work from home hub because a a large portion of our employees who had never worked from home are now working from home. And there are emotional responses people may not expect, like feeling isolated, feeling disconnected. There's some folks deal with depression in that space. On top of that, their children are home, their spouse or partners may be there. So there's a whole host of emotions that are happening for folks. So we tried to put those resources out there. We also put up an employee-only Facebook group. I shouldn't be surprised, but I guess I still am surprised at how interactive people are with that particular tool. And I personally go on there pretty frequently and connect with folks in, in a different way. And it's been great. Some employees I may never have had a conversation with in different states, different parts of the world. I get to talk to them one-on-one in that forum and it's kind of fun. That's really cool. I hadn't heard that. And I'm curious, the Facebook group, just to clarify, is that through Facebook for work or is that a regular group on the consumer version of Facebook? Nope. It is a regular Facebook page. It's private. So we make sure only employees are on there. Even if they've been laid off, we allow them to join because our hope is that we'll be able to call them back. So we wanted to create a medium where we could stay in touch with folks and give them updates. So we we have implemented doing a weekly town hall and we do it through Zoom. We do it every Wednesday. And I actually, I typically present along with the CEO and some of the other executives. And then we post a link and we put it out there for folks. We put it on the, the hub so they can get it and they watch it and they know what's going on in the business. Because I think in our space, which is perhaps not like others, we have a large portion of our employees who are in the manufacturing area. And just because the world is opening back up as slow as it might be, doesn't mean we can bring employees back right away, right? Opening the business or having permission to open a business back up is one thing, but having sales volume and product orders is another. And so we want to be as transparent as we can be with our employees to say, we will bring people back as soon as we possibly can, but we don't know when that's going to be. We've even posted links to employers who are hiring. I think it's the right thing to do for people. They need to pay their bills. And I would hope that when we do start bringing people back and hiring again, they'll remember that we were kind and and we did everything we could to support them through this but they may not. And that's okay too. They have to make decisions for their families and for themselves. And we completely support and respect that. But we've tried to give them as many resources as possible. I love that. I love that you've given all the resources that there's so much communication, so much transparency. I mean, as I have been studying this and talking to so many people about how to lead effectively during these times, communication, empathy, trust, 
transparency keeps coming up over and over again. Someone told me last week, another talent executive I was speaking with said that we're living in an age of hyper-transparency that's so important to be transparent because as soon as you stop communicating, that's when the imagination start to wander, right? Is there going to be another round of layoffs? Is Are we going to be able to return back to work? Is the company going to survive? All the questions that people start to ask and they just start worrying, right? And then you lose control. Yes. It's, it's a mantra of, of most HR folks, right? In the absence of information, what do people do? They make it up. And so you better give them as much as you possibly can. Obviously, there's information that you can't always share, but be as transparent and forthright as possible and tell them when people ask questions you can't answer, give them that answer. I'm sorry, I can't answer that right now. Instead of making something up or just being evasive, simply let them know, I'm not able to answer that for you today. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting companies with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. We're also providing tons of great content on a weekly basis. In fact, we recently launched a great webinar series that has been going on weekly with content such as creating a culture of multipliers, gender equity, Liz Weissman's webinar on helping rid the world of bad bosses. We have a new webinar from Brent Snow on decision-making. We have a webinar on multipliers and how to use multipliers during troubled times, calming the storm. We have a webinar from our partner, Julie Winkle Giulioni on developing in place how to continue your growth during remote working. And a webinar from Paul Middleton on the secret sauce for learning in the flow of work plus many more, just head to our website at advantageperformance.com. Click on free resources and you'll find the link to webinars and all of our other insights and resources there. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. Well, related to that, I know you've posted a few times recently on LinkedIn about the topic of trust and you've gotten some great feedback and engagement on those. Wondering if you could just kind of summarize, you know, what's been your philosophy on building trust in the workplace? What kind of reactions have you gotten to that? Great reactions. And for me, yes, I I think I've posted four or five different videos on it. And first and foremost, it's authenticity. Be yourself. And folks who know me and work with me could attest to that. I'm always the same person. Whether you see me in the grocery store, giving a keynote address at an executive roundtable, it's me. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have executive presence when we need to. It doesn't mean we're not reading audiences. There are nuances to your communication styles. You adapt to your scenario, your situation, your audience. But it doesn't mean that I move away from my values and the core of who I am. That comes with me no matter where or what situation or to whom I'm speaking. So authenticity is key for me. Transparency is important. But I think that goes along with the authenticity piece quite a bit. This past week, I posted the video on trusting your instincts and trusting your gut. We often think about trust in relationship to the employer and the employee and what building that relationship of trust looks like. And I also believe that if you expect people to trust you, you have to trust yourself first. And you have instincts for a reason. Your gut never lies. And I fully believe that. 
And there are little messages you get from the universe, from the world, whatever your belief system is. And I think it was Oprah many years ago was quoted as saying, you know, first it starts as a whisper. Maybe it's something you saw quickly as you were scanning the internet or an article and the headline caught your attention. And then maybe a few days later, something else pops up around that same issue or topic, maybe a conversation in passing. But all of a sudden, a theme starts to arise and and you get that feeling in your gut and your conscience is telling you to pay attention. And so for me, trusting that and then taking the appropriate action is incredibly important. And I believe when we do that and we come forward with the courage sometimes it takes to do that is when people will start to believe you in you are who you say you are and you're willing to take those risks because you know it's the right thing to do. And in doing that, this week I shared some stories about domestic violence and child abuse and how those statistics are on the rise during COVID-19. I myself as a child witnessed quite a bit of domestic violence in my household, and I know how scary that can be. And we've got to start talking about it as employers. When you think about the context of all these people being in the same space and nobody can leave. So in the past, victims could perhaps make a phone call for help. They can't do that anymore because the abuser's right there hearing and listening to everything that's going on. So giving them permission to say, send me an email. It will look like you're working, but send me an email if you need assistance is just another way as an employer, we can provide support and help to employees. So we, we talked about that a little bit this week. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's a very serious topic, but I can see how that can be way up. People are confined in small spaces and getting on each other's nerves and getting frustrated and exacerbates. I've just seen it in my own house. Just before we started recording, I don't want to make light of this, but my children were practically killing each other. And, you know, they're just kids. But, you know, if adults get go over the edge, bad things can happen. And so you want to make sure people have a, a place where they can reach out or feel comfortable reaching out if they need help. They're in a bad situation. And you talk about starting with building trust, being authentic, being open. And I like what you said. I wrote down your quote. If you expect people to trust you, you have to trust yourself first. I like that. Yeah, it's true. And I think sometimes it it takes us a while, right? When we're early in our career, we're the sponge, we're absorbing, we're observing, we're watching, and we don't want to miss steps. So we can often second guess ourselves and we're we won't take those steps. I think as we have more experiences and we start to gain a little bit of confidence, we have to start paying attention to that more and more and really trust that instinct is telling you something for a reason. And some of us come into that space much sooner than others. But I I do believe it serves you well when you do pay attention. One other thing I wanted to ask you about, Barbie, was when we talked the other day, you mentioned a leadership development program you put together, I think. And you talked about using some content from Brene Brown. And I just was curious about what does the program look like you put together and what is that content that you used and how has that worked out? So yeah, I am a huge evangelist of Dr. Brown. On my vision board is meet her one day. I am incredibly grateful for the work she does and how she shares it with the rest of us. So as I mentioned, our organization was purchased by a PE firm about two and a half years ago. And we've been going through change, a lot of change over an extended period of time. 
And we put together a leadership program specifically around change in the workplace. And what does it mean? And how do we facilitate change so that we get the best result? And we really tried to illustrate the difference between change management and change leadership. And by using a lot of Brene's content, what we put together first was read the book, Dare to Lead. And then we have the sessions and we're actually doing some more sessions in a few weeks. And we talk about how change management is really the external forces of what's happening. Maybe we're implementing a new system where it's a new process, it's a new tool, right? So that's something that's from the outside in. Change leadership is from the inside out. It's how do we influence the people within the organization to adapt or adopt this change, which is not only the technical aspects of using the tool, the process, or the system, but the behavioral components of making that part of our standard work. It's part of our lives now. It's part of who we are and what we do. And so really kind of deep diving into what holds people back from adapting or adopting to change. And we also weave in Cotter's model, which is a very well-known and standard change management model. And I think that they can work together very well, as long as you understand the difference. And one of the phrases I use a lot is, you manage a process, you lead people. And helping our folks and our leaders understand the difference between the two and how when you do that the right way, the synergistic relationship lifts everyone. And I think you can really accelerate the pace with which folks do adapt and adopt their behaviors when they understand the difference. But it does take time. It takes courage. Leaders have to be ready and self-aware enough and vulnerable enough when they have fear. And you have to make a safe space for that to happen. So this, this session really does that for folks. And we've gotten great feedback. As I mentioned, we're doing another session in a couple of weeks. Oh, very cool. And you built the whole thing internally, right? Just using that content? Yep. Using her content, some of Cotter's content, a lot of other research and experiences. I personally facilitate the session. I don't typically do that. We do have an amazing internal leadership and development team. But this particular session, um, we feel strongly enough. I feel strongly enough that I personally want to be there to help folks understand how important this component is. I believe one thing that will really define leaders of the future and a core behavior is adaptability beyond anything. I think COVID has really shown that to be a true statement, how quickly we've all had to pivot and adapt and pivot again and figure it out as we go. And leaders rise to the top when they have the ability to do that and not lose sight of everything else that's going on, but just maybe doing it in a different way, applying their skills in a different way. And I believe that adaptability is going to be at the very forefront of what organizations need from leaders going forward. Totally agree. I mean, the organizations, the leaders who address the challenges and adapt and pivot are the ones that are going to be set up more for success in the long run. I'm making all kinds of adaptations and pivoting like crazy right now during this pandemic from January, February, I was running a lot of in-person workshops, like what you're talking about. And now everything I offer is virtual. And some of this has accelerated. You know, we had a need already to convert some things to virtual and now they're all virtual and clients that are running are, are loving it and they're saving money on travel and other things that come with it. So there's 
you know, there's always silver linings to these things and who knows what the future will bring. But it's cool that you mentioned that because I think it is so important that organizations, and I see a lot of companies that are pivoting really well. Shifting to you, Barbie, what's been your greatest accomplishment or maybe proudest moment in your career so far? For me, the proudest moments happen when I see my teams succeed. When my either a direct report of mine or a team that reports up through me, when they really knock it out of the park and I see them growing and developing and challenging each other, challenging their leadership, that is very rewarding to me. I love watching my folks develop and grow and move into new roles. Sometimes they move into roles outside of my team and that's great too because it's what's best for them. So I find that the most rewarding part of what I do. And I I would say second to that would be when you are truly able to influence the trajectory of an organization and really foster a healthy culture. And, And I see that unfolding where we are now. And it's a great feeling to know that you had something to do with that. Certainly, it's every individual within the organization has ownership in making that come to life. But being on the forefront of driving it and kind of helping to craft, this is what we'd like it to be. And this is how we would like it to happen. And then seeing it take hold is very rewarding. Very cool. Flip side, what's been one of your biggest failures or mistakes in your career? And what did you learn from it? (laughs) There's so many. I know, right? You know, one of the things I think about, I had just joined an organization. My first meeting with my new coworkers, and I came in because I knew everything at that point. I was the hotshot new hire brought in to turn around this function. And so I went into this meeting, you know, with guns a blazing because I was going to teach them something. And you can imagine that went south very quickly. It took years to build relationships with some of the folks who were in that particular meeting. And looking back, I was like, man, you were really an ass. You went in there just like telling them how wrong they were about everything they were doing. And so just recognizing that that might not be the best approach um, has been a learning for me and, and understanding that everyone brings value and they may do it differently than you do. And, and certainly there are things that you're brought in for a reason. You may be a change agent and, and I'm typically brought in for that reason, but there are ways you can do it again, that leave people with dignity and help them feel valued and really your job is to influence them so that the change becomes their idea and they don't feel as though you are imposing it upon them, but you are kind of bringing them along. And then all of a sudden, they start understanding it and they start driving it faster than you ever could. So that was a big lesson for me is just leave your ego outside and uh, recognize that you don't know everything and that there's a lot of value in every single person's contributions. Absolutely. I appreciate you really you sharing that. Sometimes people gloss over mistakes that they've made. That's such a good one. And one I think a lot of people have probably made. When I've studied and given talks about modern leadership, I talk about... And I kind of stole this idea from Liz Weissman in her book, Multipliers, but that the greatest leaders lead with curiosity. It's always important to ask questions before you start giving answers, right? But we've all made that mistake where like, oh, I know what I'm going to say to come in here. I'm going to prove myself and add value right away before asking questions and finding out what the situation is, where people are coming from. So I appreciate you you sharing that so others can learn from it. Is there a trend that you're following in talent development today that's been particularly interesting? 
honestly, I think it's a lot of what we've talked about is that talent development is not a one size fits all. And for folks to follow their passion will help drive their success, which to me connects directly to that authenticity piece, not chasing a job or a career because of the paycheck or because of the esteem you think it will bring you follow where your heart leads you. Because again, we are whole people and what we do impacts every aspect of our lives. And if you're not authentically following your dreams or your passion, it will come through, right? Those folks who go to work every day and they're miserable are likely not following something that they have their heart in. And it doesn't mean that it's the only thing you love, right? I have passions outside of the work I do in the people space. I I'm a musician. I love, there's lots of different things that, that I love in my life, but this is another component of what I love. And if I didn't, I couldn't do it. So I, I think that leaders and talent, we have to help folks understand that. And we also have to help them understand that if you find yourself doing a job that you don't really like, that's okay. Let's talk about it. Let's find something that does align with what you want to do, the skills you bring to the table, the growth you'd like to achieve. And again, sometimes that could mean it's not within this organization. That's okay. I will support you. And I think I've had long-standing relationships with people throughout my career, people who have followed me from one company to the next because they get that. And it, I have their best interest at heart and their growth and their development, and what does it mean for them, and they get it. And sometimes, again, it means that it's not on my team, or it means it's not within the organization, but it's still the right thing for them. And I truly believe that talent today and talent of the future really needs to align with that authenticity space, that personal passion, and then you can move forward into the tactical aspects of what you need to grow and develop, the skill aspect of it needs to grow and develop. But if those other pieces aren't in place first, the rest of it's not going to matter. If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. It's interesting that you mentioned all that great advice there because I have been working on a book on career development and helping people take ownership of their career And I put a question out to my network. I've been asking people for the biggest mistakes they've made in their career and career advice. And I just put together a report recently of the top mistakes that people make in their careers based on polling everybody in my network. And you touched on two of them, two of the top five, one of which was chasing the money over everything else. When you put money at the top, it doesn't usually work out well. And the other one is staying in a job too long when you know it's no good for you and not speaking up and having a conversation with anybody because you're just afraid of 
rocking the boat or, or change or whatever it may be. So many people shared that that was their biggest mistake was doing that. That report I'm going to make available very soon. I'll do a separate episode about it. So we won't go into it now, but I appreciate you bringing that up and you, you validated a couple of those. The last thing I'll ask you, Barbie, think, speaking of books, I mentioned I'm writing a book about career ownership, which also aligns with what you said. You mentioned Brene Brown earlier. I wanted to give you a chance to... What's a book that you highly recommend or has made a big impact on you for your life or career? Well, I can list Dare to Lead, Extreme Ownership, Radical Candor. Those are great books and more recent published books. I'm excited. I'm sure you're familiar with Joseph Michelli and his books. And um, I was interviewed a couple of weeks ago or maybe last week. Time is the continuum of time. No, I have no idea what the day, date is or anything. But I recently spoke with him and he is writing a book about leadership during COVID-19. And I'll be very interested to see what he comes out with because his work is stellar and he's done such great work on how organizations have redefined service and their customer relationships and this is this will be really interesting. So that one I look forward to. Extreme ownership I love because it just reinforces so many principles I believe in strongly of ownership, clearly, but standard work and how variation is the enemy of standard work. And we often don't think about that in the HR space. We think about that in production, manufacturing, engineering, facilities. But the reality is it's the same principle regardless of the type of work or your functional area. And if all you do is spend your time chasing outliers and variation, you're never going to get to the core and really influence change and making anything better because you're just constantly spinning your wheels. So I love that book for that reason. That's awesome. You give us plenty. And I think it's interesting you mentioned Extreme Ownership, of course, by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin, former US Navy SEALs. I know that book and it's been recommended many times to me in the kind of and my network in the entrepreneurial and sales world, but I've never had anybody in the talent development world recommend that book to me. And I think it's a great, it's a powerful book and with a great message. So great ones mentioned. You already gave some great advice. We've covered a lot of great topics. And so the last thing I guess I'll mention is that you've been posting some videos and articles and things on LinkedIn. So if people want to get in touch with you, I suppose that's probably the best place for them to go, right? It is. Yep. And I've got my email. I even have my cell phone on there. I'm like, whatever. It's out there. It's on every signature. I've had a few people say, are you serious? You're really going to put your cell phone out there? I'm like, at this point, why did... Sure. Why not? (laughs) Yeah. That's the worst that's going to happen. Awesome. So yeah, if you enjoyed this and you want to hear more from Barbie, go connect with her, follow her on LinkedIn, connect with her, get her cell phone number, text her, call her. (laughs) Just kidding. Only with appropriately, of course. Barbie, this has been great. Thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing some of your insights and wisdom on culture and employee experience and trust. We covered so much ground and I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It was great fun. All right. Take care. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again and take care.